when I stand before God on that day, there's, there's two words that I want to hear. What are those? Well done. Well done. And uh, before we go into that a little bit, I want to relate a story that will help us uh, set the groundwork for where I want to go this morning. There was a, uh, a thief who had stolen many times from another man. And one day that, that thief was caught in a flood, flooded river, and was, was caught in it. And he was flowing downstream, he swept downstream, he was badly injured, and it looked as if he was going to drown. However, before the thief drowned, the man from whom he had stolen reached out and rescued him from the river. He pulled him out of the river and he took him to get medical help. He paid his bills, checked on him until he was well, and he never once mentioned the thief's evil deeds. The man who rescued the thief, although he recognized him, still chose to rescue him. And that is a, a great picture of God's grace. Because we, as humans, we've done everything to anger God, to offend Him in every imaginable way. We try to create new sins daily that we can offend God by. We have been rescued from the penalty of, of that sin by our Savior who reached down from heaven and lived the sinless perfect life and paid the necessary price to redeem us to our Father in heaven. We who have, have tried for years to be acceptable to God by attending church or doing rituals and ceremonies and, and doing the right thing, doing our duty that we feel makes us acceptable to God, only to realize in the end that it doesn't. There's nothing that we can do to make us acceptable to God. And, and this is what that thief was experiencing. He did not deserve to be rescued by the man who he had been stealing from all this time. But the man had mercy on him and dragged him out. And that's what God has done for us. So how does, if we can't earn our way to heaven, if we can't do good, if we can't be good enough to get to heaven, how does someone get to heaven? This is the question that the world asks all the time. How do I get to that afterlife that is, is, is going to be good. I'd like to take the next few minutes and walk us through the plan of salvation and just discuss it. And what I want you to do is I want you to take notes because um, this is going to be a tool for you to use. So when we stand before God and we reach those, reach those gates and, and we stand before God and He looks down and He says, Well done good and faithful servant, then you've, you've done what you could. Because there's many aspects of, of what God considers a well-done person. And, but we're going to look at one of them this morning, and that is the area of sharing the gospel with other people. How can you evangelize your co-workers, your, your classmates, your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, a child? What, what does the gospel, what is necessary to understand in order for someone to become a Christian? That's what I want to look at tonight. So when we arrive at heaven, we, we want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I get there, I've been, I've been thinking about this lately because I've been to a number of funerals this year. What is it going to be like when I stand before God? I don't think it's going to be, wow, this is pretty cool. 
you know, looking around like this. I think, wow, this is so awesome. And you're walking around for a month just, wow, this is amazing of what heaven is going to be like for us. We, we picture the most beautiful scenery that we have ever seen. And heaven is going to be ten times better than that. And, and I, I get kind of jealous because uh, my mom and my brother and my nephew have all gone on before me this year. And it, it, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm looking forward to die. But I am saying that if I were to die, I'd be ready. Because I've done pretty much everything I've wanted to do in life. I've had my kids. I've had grandkids. I've got a lovely wife and, who adores me all the time. And, and all these things. The only thing I have not done yet that I really would like to do, and that's to jump out of an airplane with a parachute, of course. And uh, one of these days, when I stand in heaven, I think I'll be able to experience that same rush, that same feeling uh, when in heaven, but I'll have wings or something. I don't know what it's going to be like, but uh, that's heresy, but um, don't listen to scratch that from the notes, camera. All right. So as we stand before, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. So we, the question is, how many, how many of us are truly going to be arriving in heaven? And how can I lead someone else to be there with me? And because one thing I, I really look forward to is, is people that I've had an impact in their lives. When I'm standing before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's one of the other guys that you had a part in their life. Here's someone else that you shared the gospel with that is now here also. Here's a family that, that you took under your wings and you discipled them and they became Christians. That, that's going to be exciting. So today as we look at this, this area of witnessing to others, I have two goals in mind. One is, is that as believers, as believers, if we are Christians, then we have a responsibility and we need a tool in order to share with people. How can I share the gospel with somebody else? So I'm going to look at I'm going to, we're going to dissect that and we're going to look at different verses that people should understand the principles behind all these scriptures. And the second goal for this is if you're a pre-Christian, if you're not a believer yet, that I hope you'll understand the gospel better today and that you can make a decision to follow Christ. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it is life and death situation that we're facing. So uh, as you take notes, you'll see a lot of pictures up here, a lot of diagrams and stuff on the screen. So take notes and, and we'll, we'll get into this. Let me pray first. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, we pray for hearts that are here that may not know you yet, that you'll just open their hearts and their understanding and their minds to be able to grasp the truth from your word. And for those of us who are believers that will take these verses and, and memorize them, will take them and know them well enough that we can share them with other people. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful. God, we thank you for that. And we'll commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the beginning, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. It was Adam and Eve. God created mankind. And when He created them, they were perfect. They had perfect fellowship with God. There was no sin or anything. There was, um, he walked with them. There was no sin, no sickness, no death or sorrow. In, in Genesis 1, 25 to 31, it says, Then God said, Let us make man or human beings in our image 
to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing green plant as food for all the wild and for seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given all the green plants as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that's what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made. And he says, boy, I better start over. Is that what he said? What did he say? It is not just good. He said, this is very good. The other, the other days when he created things, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. But when he got to that day that he created mankind, he said, this is very good. This is pretty cool. You know, they're in our image. We, have, we bear souls that can reason and think and, and, and make choices. And we have emotions and will. God created us with all that. Then he goes on in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. He says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's what he said. So there were no weeds, no thorns, no mosquitoes that drink blood. Because he said that nothing ate meat at that time or anything with blood in it. Every, every animal, every creature, every human was, was a vegetarian and eat fruit and vegetables back then. So there was nothing that would hurt us. Everything was perfect. Man was placed in the garden to take care of it and to benefit from its produce. As you read through Genesis 1 and 2, be familiar with that because... People need to understand, if they're going to understand the gospel, they need to understand that when it's not God's fault that there's sin in this world, they can't blame God because when he created them, they were created perfect with nothing, no, no mistakes. There was no sin, no sorrow, no death or anything. God provided everything that they needed. The only command that he had given them. He said, you can eat of anything. You could do whatever you want in this garden. Just don't eat from that one tree in the middle of the garden. Because in the day that you will, you're going to die. That's the only command that he gave them. So, but what happened? What happened to mankind? We're not the same. We're not perfect. We don't, there is sickness. There is death. There is sorrow. There's thorns. And there's mosquitoes that bite. There's wood ticks that carry Lyme's disease. There's snakes that are venomous. All these things are, are bad. What happened? How did that come about? So as you're witnessing the people, they need to understand this. As they look, that at the beginning, everything was, was perfect and holy. One day, Satan came along and, and tempted Eve. Eve ate of the fruit, gave some to her husband who was standing there with her. If you read in, in chapter 3 of Genesis said Eve ate the fruit and gave it to her husband who was with her. And then 
sin entered into the world at that time. Now, Adam and Eve, they ate of that fruit. Did they die instantly? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Instantly, that relationship with God was broken. That's one death. As we study death, there's three deaths. There's the physical death that we will all face one day. Spiritual death is that separation between God and man. And then the eternal death, that eternal separation from God. And, and so those three, three things we need to, that people should understand is that when he said, you, if you day that you eat of that, you will surely die. They did. Spiritually, their relationship with God was broken. On that day, sin entered into the world. And with that was this great gulf now between God and man that even evil Knievel could not jump with his motorcycle. Now, was the, was the fruit sinful? Huh? No, the fruit was not sinful. It was the eating of it. It was the disobedience. That was the sin. They disobeyed what God had said. Uh, it, it was that simple. It wasn't the fruit, because it says the fruit was pleasing to the eye and, 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 and desirous to have knowledge. But it was the disobedience that God said, don't do this, and they did it anyways. Okay, that was the sin. So from that day on, people have been born with a sin nature or a propensity to sin. You don't have to tell a child, why don't you have a temper tantrum, right? They just do it because it's their nature. You don't have to tell a child to be selfish with their toys or adults for that matter. That's natural. It's a natural desire that we have as humans to be selfish because we have a sin nature in us. And so that's what people need to understand is that we brought this on ourselves because of a selfish desire that we have. It wasn't God. People have been born with this. And in Romans 3.23, it says, for the wages, or for everyone has sinned and fallen short. We don't have fallen shorts. We have fallen short, as the video had said. And, uh, and, and, and then in Romans 5.12, it says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Everyone. One time I was, I was teaching a, a class one day, and, and I asked the class, I said, is there anyone in, in here who has never sinned? And I had a lady raise her hand that she had never sinned. She was convinced that she had never sinned. And so I asked her, I said, have you ever lied? And, uh, well, not not a big lie. I said, have you ever thought evil thoughts towards somebody? Yeah, but I didn't kill him. I said, the Bible says that if you think it in your heart, you've already done it. And, and so to get people to realize that they are sinners is probably one of the most important things because a lot of, a lot of the world thinks that they're in their self-righteousness, they don't do bad things. They go to work every day. They provide for their family. They go to church twice a year. They... They do this, they do that. I'm fine. I, I, I'm not, I don't do drugs. I don't get drunk that often. 
and, and, and I, I, I don't beat my kids or my wife or anything. I, I'm pretty good. And they think that's what is going to make them acceptable to God. But it says that all have sinned and that Adam's sin brought sin and death into the world ever since because everybody now has sinned. And you know uh, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. And that's what it is. Now, a good way to illustrate this with, with your coworkers and, and friends and stuff, especially your coworkers, you get paid every other Friday or every other Wednesday or once a month or you make your own money. You earn the money because of the work, that, the result of the work that you did produced, you get a paycheck at the end. That's your wages for that. And that's the way it is with sin. You do sin, there are consequences, there are wages for that sin. And so as people begin to understand that, oh yeah, I, I, I did do this, I did do that, there's consequences that are, have to be paid because of that sin. And that sin, that, that, that the wages that are paid is that eternal debt, that separation from God, that non-relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's what He wants us to understand. And the other thing that people need to understand is that God is holy. God is holy and just. And he cannot allow sin into his presence. He just can't do it. Because that would be corrupting his holiness. In Isaiah 6.3, the angels cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then in 1 John 1.5, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So he cannot allow darkness and that is sin. He cannot allow any sin into his presence. He is light and all the, all the sin cannot not be there. So people need to understand that. We are sinful creatures. We sin. But God is holy. He cannot allow us in his presence. So man tries to be acceptable to God. There's four ways that people try, strive to be acceptable to God. The first thing is by being good or being self-improving themselves, becoming better. I know in the, in the Buddhist religion, they strive to be good in this life so that in the next life they can come back a better person, so that in the next life they can come back even a better person, eventually get into non-existence, that they're so righteous, they're so good. But if they're not good, then the next time they come back to life and they're reincarnated, reincarnated, they may become a cow or an animal of some type or a poor person or a cripple or something. So they, this is how they, they do it. They strive to be good and to do self-improvement things. Second thing that people do is uh, church attendance. They think, yeah, I go to church. You know, I... I I go to church, I do, the, I do my duty, and I do there. I go, I give offerings and things. Third thing is they, uh, good works. They help out at soup kitchens. They donate to the Red Cross, or they um, donate money to veterans affairs, or whatever, not veterans, whatever those veterans are. And the fourth thing that people do is they do religious acts. They pray, they read their Bible, they give their offering, they might go to confession, they might do this, they might do that, 
these religious acts that we think will make us acceptable to God. But what is the result? It's in our inability to be acceptable by God's standard, which is holiness, which is sinless and perfect. Man, therefore, has no hope in ourselves. We have no hope. And this is where we need to get people to, that they need to get to the, the point when, when they say, man, what can I do? There's, there's nothing I can, if, if there's nothing that I can do to be acceptable to God, then how am I supposed to get there? How am I supposed to please Him? It's almost impossible. And the answer is, it is impossible in ourselves. And that's, that's where we're going next. We can do nothing in ourselves to become acceptable to God. And there's a big but, capital B-U-T. He has already done something for us that will allow us to spend eternity with Him, to become righteous before Him, to become holy in His sight. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Now let's look at that a little bit. When you look at the life of Jesus, He lived a perfect life, and He was the acceptable sacrifice that God required to redeem us from our sins. He was that propitiation, the acceptable sacrifice that God demanded for payment. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God did this for us. That's His heart. Because man blew it, and in order to build that relationship back with God, a sacrifice had to be given. And that was in the form of Jesus. God loved us so much that he gave his son. We can also um, look at, at John 5, 24, and it says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, this is Jesus' own words saying this, if you listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed from death unto life. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, about this passing already passed from death unto life. Then John 14, 6, the verse that a lot of religions hate, a lot of religious people hate this, this verse, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now that's narrow-minded, isn't it? but it's a truth from the word. And, and people need to understand this because people tend to believe that, well, you know, I, go to, I, I believe that, that this religion, that, that you know, we believe that if you do this and this and this, that you'll go to heaven. And, and this guy says, well, I go to this church and, and I was baptized as a child. You know, I, I've done what I needed to do. I'm going to go to heaven. I talked with a pastor one day of another denomination and I said to him, uh, they asked me, I said, what do you mean by this born-again stuff? And I said, wow, you're a pastor and you're asking me this question. And so I, I shared the gospel with them. And, and after I was done, they said, wow. I said, you know, we believe that you, you go through these classes and when you're done, you're confirmed into the family of God. I thought, man, that is hopeless. 
That is, they're trying to do something to make themselves acceptable to God. And, and they're teaching this from the pulpit. And that's why they hate that, that verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way that can do that. So these verses, they, they tell us about God's love and that He has provided the way of salvation for us. That man is incapable in himself to save himself. We know that from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And it's not by the good works we did lest we boast. Lest we can stand before God and say, you know, God, I, I, I've done this and this and this. You should accept me. Well, if we could do that, then what's the purpose of Christ's death? Why did he have to die? If we could earn our own way to heaven. It's worthless. But he says we can't. And he also says in Titus 3, 4 through 6, he says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. He said, this is not by something, not by the righteous things that we've done. We can't do it. He said, it's only through the generosity of the Lord Jesus Christ and God. Well, then we look over in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that, that Jesus raised from the dead, we're going to be saved. But then we look in John chapter, 12, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, Yet to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. In these verses, they state to us that we receive the salvation. We receive forgiveness as a free gift. It's nothing that we deserve. We just had Christmas. And you probably received gifts from people this year that you've offended in one way or another, a wife or a child or something, children as you've offended your parents, you've disobeyed them, or, but yet at Christmas time they still gave you a gift and said, I still love you. I want to bless you with this gift. Am I right, Kari? You're smiling, you're laughing. All right. But... God is not like Santa Claus or even like our parents. You know, he doesn't argue with us. He loves us in spite of everything that we throw at him. Amen? And he gives us this gift because, he, because of his mercy, because of his grace. Now, I want to illustrate this in a way. If you open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 21, there's a few verses I want to look at. Numbers 21 and this is such an awesome illustration of God's forgiveness and God's grace and mercy. In Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, 
Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. They're talking about the manna that God had provided for them faithfully over 30 years. They've been wandering around the desert now. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. This is what God did. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake, he looked at the bronze snake and lived. That is an amazing picture. What was killing these people? The snake. The snake was killing the people, right? Now, what was saving the people? What was healing them? A snake. So the, the very thing that was killing them is now saving them. This is amazing. And the only thing they had to do was give an offering, say a prayer, do this and that, right? No. All they had to do is look at that snake and they lived. That's it. And this is such an amazing picture of, of who God is. Let's look at Christ. Because in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Here we are. The thing that is, is killing us and sending us to hell, our sin is now the thing that is saving us in the form of Christ. He took our sins, the sins of the whole world upon himself, and died on the cross for us. And as we look to him, as we see Christ hanging there on the cross, and we say, God, that was for me. He was that sinless, perfect lamb that took my place, my sin, is now paid for. When Jesus died for, for the sins, he died for the sins of the whole world, didn't he? But does that mean that the whole world is going to be saved? No. What did they have to do in order to be saved from that snake bite? They had to look by faith because I'm sure there were people that, that, said, that got bit and they said, ah, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. I'm not going to look at that snake. And, and, they, and they end up dying because they didn't believe what God said. They didn't have the faith to make that simple look up there at that snake. And that's the way we are with Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I am the way of salvation. All you have to do is look. Trust me, I've done it for you already. And as people begin to understand that, as you are sharing the gospel with people and they begin to see the substitutionary death that Christ did for you and I, they begin to say, wow, that was for me too. 
And, and you saw it in the video when the guy said, Jesus can forgive all your sins. The guy perked up and said, you mean Jesus can forgive all my sins? And the guy said all those wrong things. But, but, he, but it's so true. God is there. He loves us. And the people need to understand that for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, will not have that eternal separation from God, but have the eternal communion with him and an eternal relationship with him. So in Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 31, it says that Paul was talking to the, the jailer and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He didn't say you got to go to confession or you got to go to church. You got to do this. You got to do that. He said, believe, simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Now there's, when a person becomes a Christian, there's two things that happen. I want to look at that. Instantly, they become a child of God. They become a child of God instantly. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, a little bit more in a few minutes. That our relationship with God went from enemy to son or daughter at that moment. We read already in John 1.12 that to all who believed in him and accept him, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's awesome news. That we can have that right relationship with him. And then in 1 John 5.12 it says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God might get by, right? It says, does not have life. There's only one or the other. There's not... Well, I hope I did good enough. I, I've talked to a number of, of people in different denominations and they say, well, are you going to go to heaven? They say, well, I hope so. I, I don't know. I said, you can know. It says right here, whoever has the Son has life and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You're separated. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground here. So, Number two, Christ becomes that bridge to cross over that great gulf and, and to receive forgiveness for our sins and that we can be in right standing with Him. We become His children instantly, but we also can cross over and have that right relationship with God. That bridge takes us up and over the punishment of sin. Amen? And as people can see that, as, we, as we're witnessing to our friends and families, that, that they get finally say, wow, you know, there's really, I don't have to do all these religious things. I don't have to do this and that. And then they'll, yeah, and you say, yeah, that's it. We can come freely then, come to God and experience the peace and contentment that only He can give. In John, when you get home, read this verse, these verses that are on the bottom up here on John 17, verses 20 to 24. Because in that chapter is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those that he's going to be leaving behind. He says, Father, if this cup could pass from me, 
But he says, I pray for those you've given me that are walking with me and all that. But then in these verses here, 20 to 24, he prays for you and I. He prays that we will understand, that we'll receive forgiveness and that we'll be in that right relationship with him and that one day we'll spend eternity with him. That we could know him and have that right relationship with God. That's his prayer for us. So as we, as we come to the table today for communion, I want to ask the question. You know, this is New Year's Day, 2012. What a better way to start the New Year's than with a right relationship with God. And I'm, I'm sure that in a, in, a, in a group this size, there's, there's some that don't know the Lord. You may have done religious things. You may come to church. You may do what you think are good things, but it doesn't save us. It's only when we turn and look at what Christ did for us. Look at the cross. And so what I want us to do is I want to just take a minute here and, and come to the foot of the cross. I want you to come and look. And if there's somebody here, I want you to, everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And, and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, You've never made that decision to say, God, you know what? I can't save myself. I, I need you to do that for me. I need you to rescue me from my sin. If you're here today and you've never asked God to forgive your sins, and you would like to do that today, would you just simply raise your hand? Just raise your hand and let me pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. And God, God is there reaching out to save you. And those that raise their hand afterwards, I'd love to talk with you. But for now, let's have a prayer. And I want you to pray. It's not the prayer that's going to save us. It's our heart. The faith that we have in the finished work that Jesus did for us. But it helps us if we can verbalize what is in our heart. Because he says if we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth. He says, you know, let's hear it. Let's, let God hear what's going on in your heart. For those of you that raised your hand this morning, I, I pray that you'll pray this prayer along with me. God, I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you for dying for my sins. And I thank you that 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 because of my trust and faith in you, you now save me. I am now your child. I am now your son, your daughter. And I've established that right relationship back with you. Lord, I thank you for that. And for those who are here that don't know you, Lord, I, I pray that they will mean that in their hearts and that their lives will be changed henceforth going forward, that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you redeemed them today. January 1st, 2012 is the day of new beginning for them. God, you are awesome. And we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Your word is truth. We thank you for that. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I, I pray that, that you will 
allow me the privilege of meeting with you and, uh, and talking with you. And just to recap before, the, before we go to communion, as the men are coming forward, we talked about the beginning about being a well-done Christian. And if you've made that decision this morning to follow Christ, then you're on your way to being a well-done Christian. And if you're one that is already a believer, you've got some tools here to use that you can share the gospel with other people and that you can and, uh, share that with other people. All right?